Right, okay, well, apparently every six months or so, airline pilots do uh, two days in a flight simulator. I've got a picture of one here. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, every six months, two days in one of these flight simulators. Uh, they practice and they're being assessed. And one Boeing 787 Dreamliner pilot said, the flight simulators recreate how the aircraft handles so accurately that pilots will often go directly from simulator training to flying the aircraft with passengers on board. Can you imagine saying to your captain, ever flown a plane before? Nah, but I'll give it a good go. <laughs> well, of course, they have flown a plane before, but maybe not that type. In a simulator, you can go through the process again and again and again, so that when you meet the situation in real life, you can think, oh, I know what this is all about. I've seen this before. And God likes to do the same thing. He sets a pattern and he repeats it over and over again so that when you get to the real thing, you think, I know what's going on here. I've seen this before. You know, it's a bit like a child pushing around a pram. And uh, maybe years later, pushing around a, a real baby in a pram is a bit of a step up. But nonetheless, the pattern has been set already yet for, for years, maybe. So today we're going to look at one of God's patterns as we look at the birth of a saviour who wasn't Jesus, but lived before Jesus. And what I'm hoping is that as we look at this pattern, we'll uh, see the Christmas story coming to life a little bit more, and uh, the birth of Jesus will be fresh for us again, if it's become a bit too familiar. Obviously, for many of us, it's our favourite part of the Bible, our favourite time of year, but just in case it's become too familiar, hopefully this will help us with that. So we're going to look at Judges 13, verses 1 to 25, and if you've got a Bible there, open up to that passage. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazirite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will become pregnant and have a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? 
I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar towards heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We're doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zora and Eshtael. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Becca. Thanks. That's quite a lot to digest all at once. It's quite a long story. So on your tables, I'd like you to discuss this question. What are the similarities and differences between this story and the birth of Jesus. So I'll give you about five, 10 minutes. Um, I should have given you some paper to jot down ideas, shouldn't I? That was a mistake, sorry about that. But think about similarities and differences between that story and the birth of Jesus. Draw those conversations to a close. Have you got a good list? Differences and similarities? Excellent. Right, okay, well, um, shout them out. What are the similarities, first of all, between this story and the birth of Jesus? The angel came, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. More sp- Both going to be saviors of some kind? Yeah. We could say a little bit more about the angel, couldn't we? We could say... The angel appears to the mother, and the angel appears to the father separately. That's quite similar, isn't it? Yeah? It's an impossible birth. An impossible birth, birth. yep. The mother has no natural way of becoming pregnant. In Mary's case, virgin. In this case, she's just unable to become pregnant. Sometimes we might think, like, what is it with the Bible's obsession with childbirth? But it's because they're waiting for a (laughs) saviour. Anything else? Think about, um, so right at the end of the bit we read in Judges, there's a a little something that's similar to Jesus as well. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, different types of salvation. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, yep, both under occupying forces. Yep. Yeah, right at the end of uh, the judge's reading there, in verses 24 and 25, talks about God blessing the child and um, God's spirit later resting on the child and uh, using him in that way. So uh, in both Samson and Jesus, there's this kind of special presence of God's spirit. Think about how Samson delivered his people and think if there's any similarity there, if you know the story of Samson, what happened at the end? They both sacrificed themselves, exactly. So this is in Judges 16, verse 30, which says, uh, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple and the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. So uh, both of them, strangely enough, died like this, with outstretched arms, because Samson pushed down the temple and Jesus died on a cross. We might think, well, poor Philistines, you know, they've just been in their temple, and they've had a temple pushed down on top of them. But we haven't been enslaved by them for 40 years, so we don't feel the pain of that experience. I mean, we've struggled with two years of COVID, haven't we? That's been a pretty horrible experience. 40 years of oppression by a foreign nation who really don't like you very much. Um, They were so pleased to be rid of that. And, uh, of course, Jesus defeated, could you say, more, more evil in his death than he did in his life, in a sense. Both of them, by their death, um, saved the most, shall we say. What about the differences? Yep. No name for the baby is given. Something else about names as well. Think who else isn't named in the judge's account. The angel isn't named, that's right. The mum isn't named. Whereas... Later on, the angel is named. Well, the angel of the Lord is, well, is called. Yeah, okay, good point. So the angel's name could, is wonderful, yeah. That could be a name, it could be a description. Good point. Um, yeah, the, so importantly, the mum's name isn't mentioned in Judges, whereas who, who's heard of Mary now, the mother of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Most of the world. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Let me repeat that for the recording. Samson's success as a savior depended on his obedience. Um, he was not the son of God, and uh, sort of, yeah, capable in that in that way to save straight away. Yeah. We had, we had a little bit about what type of savior they were. So the boy was to be a Nazarite, uh, not the son of God. Nazarite being a, a kind of tradition coming from the. Um, Book of Leviticus, I think that's where it talks about it, possibly Numbers, um, where uh, a child was dedicated to God from their birth and certain conditions were attached to that. But Jesus wasn't that because he was the son of God. Jesus' birth is much grander in some ways, isn't it? There's more angel activity, there are more people, there's more praise. Um, Think about what the first thing Samson does. I think it's uh, actually just after chapter 13 that we read. Yeah, chapter 14, verse 1, what's the very first thing that Samson does? What's that, Dave? 
He does kill Philistines later on. But before that, so this is, this is what he came to do. He came to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And just before he does that, what does he do in chapter 14, verse 1? Gets a wife who is a Philistine. Yeah, that's a bit like Jesus going into the temptations in the wilderness and falling at the first hurdle and messing up completely. So big difference there. Uh, the angel in the story has to kind of prove his credentials and perform lots of signs, which is where his name Wonderful comes out and disappears up into heaven. When Gabriel appears to Mary and Joseph, the pattern's been set. He doesn't need to prove his credentials. He just says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. This is the message. <laughs> and uh, Mary didn't sacrifice to the Lord as Manoah and his wife did because by that point, the focal point of worship had moved to where in, in, in Israel? <laughs> gave, the, gave the game away there. To the temple in Jerusalem, yeah. This time the temple wasn't standing. So Manoah could just sacrifice where he was. Mary, of course, dedicated Christ to the Lord in the temple later on. Now, this is the bit I want to focus on. This is the biggest difference, and this is what I want to finish with. This is the difference between the Old and New Testaments, and we see it right here in this story. It's the difference that Jesus makes, and it's why his birth was such a good thing. I'm basing it on verses 21 and 22 of Judges 13. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was an angel of the Lord. We're doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. So before Jesus came, people said, we've seen God, we're going to die. Those who saw Jesus said, we've seen God, we're going to live. And it all comes down to the question, what kind of saviour were they? What kind of saviour was Samson and what kind of saviour was Jesus? So this is what kind of, Sam, of, of what kind of saviour Samson was. This is uh, Judges 13, verse 5. It says, uh, you will become pregnant and have a son. So far, so Christmassy. Whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So he'd lead an uprising against the foreign army, as we've already discussed. More broadly, the Israelites' lives were uncomfortable and not enjoyable, and Samson would save them from that and bring them an element of peace and comfort and enjoyment. Now, we have lots of Samson saviors today, things that save us from discomfort. These are real saviors. Samson was a real saviour. He was a gift from God to the Israelites and a real saviour. Now, fire out some ideas. What kind of real saviours, Samson saviours, do we have today? Doctors. Doctors, yes, perfect, exactly. Vaccination, yeah, exactly. What else? Those are really good ones. I, I think they'd be the top of my list as well. NHS, yeah. All the kind of health stuff. Lifeboats I've got here. I, used to, I grew up on Guernsey, as many of you know. And if you're stuck at sea, lifeboat is a saviour. Farmers. What was that, sorry? Farmers. Farmers, yep, definitely. Preachers. Preachers, yeah, okay. Could have a relationship. 
somebody's life could genuinely be turned around by a relationship, relationship, whether that's a friendship or boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever it might be, husband, wife. Somebody can truly be saved in a, a very real sense by that. Obviously, um, you know, every teenager, and me included, spends their teenage years kind of waiting for that saviour, and then um, we've got to remember that that is only a saviour from certain problems and doesn't, you know, it's very much a Samson saviour, let's say. Um, a pet, that can be a saviour. You know, when uh, somebody's lonely or um, finding life difficult, a pet or a guide dog can be a very real saviour. These are real saviours. Now, there are plenty of false saviours out there as well. Has anyone heard of Belle Gibson? I hadn't heard of her until Friday lunchtime, but I watched a documentary on the BBC. And uh, Belle Gibson was uh, an Australian lady who became very big on social media very quickly because she was wrestling with four different cancers in different parts of the body. And she managed to fight them off through healthy eating and exercise. And she inspired millions of other people to follow her. Except she didn't have cancer and she was lying. And um, she developed such a big social media following so quickly that Penguin published a book by her, a recipe book and a, a sort of wellness book, without checking whether she was ill. Several news companies reported on her miraculous recovery without checking whether she was ill. Apple uh, published her app on, on the iPhone, installed on the iPhone, ready to go, without checking whether she was ill. And so, of course, you know, members of the public thought, well, Apple and Penguin and these big media companies have obviously done their checks, and they hadn't, and she lied to literally millions and millions of people, some of whom lost their lives because they turned down conventional treatments in favour of her uh, wellness routine. That is a full saviour, if there is one. And the problem is, particularly on social media, very difficult to identify which saviours are the real ones and which ones are the fake ones. So one thing for us all to keep in mind there, full saviours are everywhere. We like to think that people would not lie like that, but they do. There are false saviours out there. But there are true saviours as well. There are Samson saviours, shall we call them. Doctors, lifeboats, pets, relationships, all sorts of things. The NHS, the vaccine. And uh, the problem is we can have all the Samson saviours in the world and we can live a very comfortable lifestyle. And when we meet God, as we all will, we would still feel this overwhelming sense of shame and guilt and dirtiness and know in our own hearts, we've seen God, we're going to die. Because Samson saviours, as we all know, don't deal with our deepest spiritual need. He's, Samson was a real saviour, but not an ultimate saviour. So what kind of saviour was Jesus? John 10, 9 and 10. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There are so many New Testament, question, uh, New Testament verses about life uh, that Jesus brings us that uh, I had to rein myself in and not quote them all. Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. We've seen God, we're going to live. What kind of images comes to mind? Just to shout out a few ideas again. When I say life, for me, you know, 
has to be someone standing on top of a mountain top like this. That's the. Uh, I think I've probably been sold that by social media. To be honest, you know, it's, there are so many stock images of somebody standing on a mountain with all the wind rushing through their hair like this. And for me, that says life. What says life to you? Perfect health. Perfect health. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I can think of a few images that just scream life at me. I'm sure you probably all are thinking of them as well. But. Okay, talking to someone who's interested in the gospel. I like that one, yeah. That's exciting. That's, so life has that element of excitement that you're onto something big here. That's great. I like that. Great game of rugby. Yeah, okay. So energy and passion. Great. I love it, Dave. What else? Children, yes. All the energy that comes with children and comes with children. Any other ideas? Happiness, yeah, great. That's we think of happiness when we think of life. It's funny, none of you have come up with the image that I would I probably think of when I think of life. You know, just a lush jungle with a waterfall flowing, you know, water flowing through it and water, big part of life, isn't it? Jesus said uh, talks about water of life. He said, Whoever drinks this water that I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, which comes with a bit of that excitement and energy and passion and happiness that we've talked about, doesn't it? Oh, this full life. We get the picture. Life in Jesus is so full. So no other saviour promises life like Jesus does. And that's why he said these words. Let me close with this. Matthew 16, verse 18. I will build my church and the gates of what? Hell shall not overcome it or have a victory over it. Now, it's, yeah, traditionally the word is translated hell. It's actually um, Hades, um, which actually the NIV now reflects. So it will say, I will build my church and the gates of Hades. Symbolically, the place of the dead will have no victory over it. So we've seen God, we're going to live, and there's absolutely nothing the grave can do about that. Because... We celebrate the birth of the ultimate saviour at Christmas time, and through him we can have life. Let me pray to finish. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to bring us life and to bring it to the full. Please may we remember that this Christmas and may we celebrate it as we enjoy all the fun moments about Christmas. The family, the presents, the uh, food, the joy, the lights, Whatever it might be, please may we remember that all of these are just a taste of the full life that Jesus came to bring. And we pray that for Jesus' honour. Amen.